0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight.
1: And I'm Andrew Nickel.
0: And today so the show, we're talking about which stage of a development should you buy into? Now, this comes from a listener of the show who's asking specifically about subdivisions and they're saying that there are a number of subdivisions popping up, 20 or so properties. And what are the pros and cons? of buying in the first stage, so the first handful of properties that go to market, compared to that final stage that get released. Now, Andrew, this is a great question, but why don't you just explain what stages are and why we have them?
1: Okay, so normally with a large development, say 100 sections or 100 townhouses or whatever, you'll find that a developer might break that down into, say, a few different stages of, say, 30 and then have a slightly bigger one at the end. And what they'll do is they'll release, say, 35 at a time to the market, and then they'll get all those sold, and then sometimes they might commence construction on that stage, and then they'll sell the next 35 and then the next 35. Now, often the length of time between the releases can just depend on how the market takes initial development so it could be that they sell the initial stage and no one kind of knows about the development and maybe no one knows about the developer it's a new developer so they want to get a bit of traction so they might sell at a low price initially and then as the development gets traction then they'll start to increase the price as the market goes up as the development gets a bit more established.
0: And why do they even do it this way is it just a bit easier to get your head around and work on 35 properties at a time rather than 100 or 200?
1: Well, sometimes it's part of it, Ed, but often it's probably limited by a developers' pockets and how deep they are, I guess. So if you've got a development of 100, so the one that we worked on for Andrew Yeoman and Metcalf Road, for example, which I think we spoke about on the show not so long ago, that was one that, because he's got deep pockets, he did in one entire development. Now, he might build the development in kind of semi-stages, but he sold it as one stage, probably a slightly bigger one, the Coronation Road development that we were involved with not so long ago, which uh, I can't remember how many units that is off the top of my head, but that was significantly bigger. That was broken down into four stages. So stages one, two, three point one, and 3.2. Now, in that development, that was about kind of the, the lending. So the developer wanted to make sure that he'd got initial pre-sales done. So, sometimes a developer might have to get 100% pre-sales done in the first stage, if it's say a third of the development. In the second stage, they might have to get 100% pre-sales. But in the last stage, they might only have to get 50% pre-sales. And so what they will often do is they'll hold on to those last 50% of the final stage until the very end when the units are complete. The reason they do that is because when something's finished, It's generally worth more money than when it was off plans and it was, you know, just something you're buying on paper. So they're the two kind of main reasons, the finance restrictions and developers want to be able to get price increases as they release stages.
0: And just to give you an example of some of these price stages, I've actually looked at one of the developments that we've been involved with, Coronation Road, just to give you an example of how the prices can increase so this is the one that Andrew just mentioned where there are four different stages this one's in Mangere Bridge in Auckland and I'm just specifically talking about the base model so of course naturally in developments you might have a couple of different types of floor plans at a different range of prices some might be four beds some might be three beds some might have extra car parks and so of course naturally the prices are going to change but just talking about the base model which was three bedrooms one bathroom one car park the first stage those started at 785k, so 785k. Those went up in stage two, which was released two months later, which was July this year. So those same properties essentially were selling for between 820 and 830k. So they'd gone up by, in some instances, 45k. For stage 3.1, which was released in September, so another two months after that, they started from 830k again, which so spent roughly the same as stage two. But when the fourth stage came out, what we called stage 3.2, those properties were up around the 880 mark. So in the space of six months, seven months, we saw the price of those properties go up almost 95k. Now you might think, oh my gosh, that 95k, you know, the people buying in stage four are getting ripped off. Not necessarily the case. One thing that I just want to note is that compared to that fourth stage compared to the first stage, that is a 12% increase in price, right? Which is pretty significant. But you've got to also realize that over that time, we've had significant inflation in the market in general. There's been about 7% over that time in Auckland. So what i put this down to is about half of that increase, just over half of that increase is down to natural market movements. And that other kind of five percentage points that's more down to the change in stages and to be fair as well perhaps a slightly better location in that development so for instance the stage four properties in this specific development were probably in a slightly more premium location compared to the first stage which was a little bit closer to the motorway but naturally the benefit of that is that people who bought in stage one got a significantly cheaper price but why is it Andrew, that we see these price changes between stages
1: well, I mean, there's several parts of it. I mean, I guess the first part is usually you've discounted your first stage and you do that to get momentum. Your valuation might've been kind of 800 to begin with and you're discounted by 15K just to get some momentum, to get 100% of those pre-sales in the first stage done. Once you've got those all signed up, you get in for your resource consent and your building consent if you haven't already, and you might start firming up what your build cost is gonna be. Because of course you would've had all that priced up originally, but it could've taken maybe a few months to kind of get those pre-sales for example. And then once you kind of got all those together, then you might move on to your next stage and go, right now, let's get a new valuation. The valuations come up to 8.30 or something like that. And so you sell them for 8.20. And as time goes on, obviously, not only have you got that momentum and interest on the development because, you know, other people have started buying there and people go, OK, well, that's a bit more trust. But also, as time goes on, you have achieved more milestones as the developer. So I think the biggest thing when you're buying something off plans in those really early stages, you're often subject to more change than someone buying at a later stage. So the resource consent's a really good example of that. If you're buying subject to resource consent and or building consent, there could well be changes made by the council once the developer gets that resource consent approval. So for example, I can think of a development in Christchurch where I think the developers were doing something like seven units and they all had garages. The council kicked that back and said, actually, you can have four of those with garages. Two of them need to have car parks and one of them doesn't get anything. And so all of a sudden, the people that had signed up for the units that were varied – they had to either accept a you know a price reduction. Hey, look, you're not getting what you thought you were going to get. You bought in the first stage, so you got a discount, but you know now we're going to have to change it around. And so do you want to buy that unit still or do you want to cancel? And so I think from memory in that one, two of the three people said, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to accept the car park. And they just accepted a discounted rate. Then another person didn't want to accept the no car park, which I completely understand. And so didn't go ahead with that project. So there is often, if you are buying in different stages, that vulnerability. Now that's not to say that the developer doesn't get a new resource consent and building consent for a different stage. They absolutely can, but often they might apply for a, a full approval for, for the consent at the start.
0: Let me ask you this, Andrew, just because I'm sure people will be interested in this. What was the reason the council in that specific development didn't approve all seven with garages?
1: Uh, it was to do with aesthetics. So the irony is uh, this is a beautiful development. It looked great before and after the council's changes, but they are trying to give people more outdoor living spaces and direct developers to doing that. And they're trying to encourage people to use bicycles rather than use cars. And so the the council, in their infinite wisdom, I think believes that if you take away things like car parks and garages, that that'll achieve that.
0: Yeah, it'll be a council worker living in the one without a car park. Um, (laughs) Let's hope so. Now, let's just summarise this into the pros and cons of buying early versus late stage. So obviously with an early stage, big pro, often you're purchasing at that cheaper price compared to the late stage because you're purchasing at a bit of a discount. And if they are staged in terms of their build times as well, then you're potentially going to have your property in that earlier stage built more quickly or at an earlier date compared to those later stage. Now, that can be really good if you're the sort of investor who needs that time between confirmation and settlement to be relatively short. So for instance, let's say that construction time for a later stage is 18 months, but you can only get a pre-approval for finance for 12 months. Well, you might want to go in an earlier stage so that you're not going to have to go unconditional and then still have your finance be having to apply for that at a later date. The natural con of an early stage, though, is that the resource consent could change if you're purchasing before resource and building consents have been approved. Also, the project might not go ahead. So if the developer can't get enough pre-sales, that project may not go ahead for whatever reason. Now, that's probably relatively unlikely as long as it's not being priced at a ridiculous price these days. But it's something just to note. And look, what I want to call non-premium sites might be sold off first. So the ones that are slightly closer to a motorway or whatever it happens to be, those more premium sites might be kept for the later stage. But what are the pros and cons of purchasing in that later stage, Andrew?
1: So obviously if you're purchasing in the later stage, you've got a bit more certainty. So if the council has issued all of its consents, then you know that there's not going to be any variations there. Often the pre-sales have all been met, so you're guaranteed that the project is going ahead at that stage or as guaranteed as you can ever be. And you've got the benefit of, you know, maybe those premium sites, the maybe the end units, et cetera. They've been held back because, you know, they wanted to sell the, the best ones last. The downside is the price. So it might be at the valuation or sometimes it might even be higher than the valuation. I see a a lot of cases like that because they're wanting that highest price. I often say to investors, the further along a project, the more you're going to pay. If it's closer to completion or complete, generally speaking, you are going to pay more money. And you can use a good example is often Fletchers. So Fletchers, who have got very deep pockets, generally speaking, they sell at completion for pretty much everything. So they won't sell off plans in a lot of cases. They'll just wait for it to be complete. There's around the what they call the East Frame in Christchurch Central. They had lots of units sitting there for six to twelve months and they were just waiting for someone to come and buy them. They weren't going to discount the price. That was just the price. When we get a chance to sell it at that price, we'll do that. They've all sold now, but there was just a time where, you know, there was a bit of competition in the market and people could get a better deal off plans. And so people were doing that.
0: Well let me ask you this. Does that mean that investors shouldn't buy in a late stage and should hang out for the early stages of a development?
1: Absolutely not. So I always think that you take the opportunity that's presented with you because you only regret the deals that you don't do. And you know, it's the old adage, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and don't wait around expecting the best deal to come along and then miss out on all the really good deals that come along in the meantime.
0: Yeah, I do think that you are going to have to weigh this on a case-by-case basis, but let's say that you've got two properties in front of you. One's in an early stage of the development, one's in the late stage of the development, and they're in different developments, right? Well, just because something's sold in an early stage doesn't mean that it's going to be substantially cheaper than something that's sold in a late stage if they're being sold at the same time. So the one in the late stage might be more expensive than what was early stage for that specific development, but it doesn't mean it's going to be 90k or 100k more expensive than something that's also being sold at the same time, because it's also about how the market moves. So you are going to have to weigh it up. But I always do think, look, it is very tempting to give up a good deal in order to find the unicorn deal, but often unicorn deals don't happen. Unicorn deals look like unicorn Mm. deals because time passes, and that allows for natural market (laughs) appreciation to happen over time.
1: Well, I'll tell you a great example of that is the number of people who have been waiting for a great deal to come out in Rolleston for the last six months. Now, rolleston has gone from $550,000 to closer to $800,000 now for the same thing over the course of the last six to nine months. Now, all those people that are waiting for a good deal to come out there have missed out on some great opportunities elsewhere. And so that's where you don't want to kind of get hung up on waiting for that unicorn deal that you've already hung your hat on.
0: Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property investment, specifically the new interest deductibility rules, check out our YouTube channel because we're currently releasing a series, a six part series digging into the interest deductibility changes. And of course, the benefit of watching this on YouTube is not only do you get to see our faces, but you also get to see the slides so we can visually demonstrate these as well. So I'm going to drop a link to where you can find that in the show notes, tap or swipe over the cover art, there'll be a link in there, or just Google Opus Partners YouTube, it'll come up, and hey, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can watch the whole series. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast, I'm your host, i Knight,
1: and I'm Andrew Nicholl, and
0: we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.